going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. Not great, Bob! And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your one and only Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys. By the fans, that is us. As always, intro and outro music provided by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over at OceansOverAirplanes.com. You can give me a follow on Twitter at so says Jay and Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at FanTheFlamesNBA. And if you're listening on iTunes, subscribe, review, do all that fun stuff. Rate. Rate. That's the word I was looking for. Five stars. Five stars. And we are now on Stitcher. And I think we were already on Google Play. Google Play. Yeah, totally on it before. Not just And we're looking at Spotify. Apparently we're looking at Spotify. So if you get your podcasts from some of those other platforms, feel free to subscribe. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Give us a listen. All right. Well, before we start getting into the Phoenix Suns, we have one announcement slash plug that we want to throw out there, and that is for this year's Brightside Night. So take it away, Paul. Yep. It's the uh, fourth annual Brightside Night. Um, Dave started this a couple years back to give an opportunity for kids to go to their first professional basketball game. Last year, we um, raised enough money to send 2100 kids to see their first sons game so the next one for this year's upcoming it we're looking at january 8th against the kings tickets are nine dollars each and there's a bunch of different levels of if you buy x number of tickets you get different types of um bonuses so i just want to direct everybody to the bright side of the sun to check out Dave's post about that. It's a little too much for me to go into now, but it's been a great time. We've been involved in it the last couple of years, and it's always fun to um, kind of get together with some Suns fans and also help the Utes of Phoenix. The the two Utes? The Utes. What's a Ute? (laughs) It's a young person. No, I mean, (laughs) you're supposed to then say, oh, I'm sorry. The two Utes. Go to. Enjoy some Suns basketball. So, moving on. You realize we already have tickets to that game. We do? Yeah. <laughs> Is that on our list? I think you and Tony are going, so <laughs> it sucks for you guys. You don't get to. Well, you can still. You can still. I can still. Participate. Participate. And donate to Brightside Night. Paul and I And then I'll just donate my tickets will. back. That is beautiful. What an idea it's that is. To get is. more tickets for the kids? More tickets for the kids. All right. Yeah, so everybody go to brightsideofthesun.com. Look for Dave's post about Brightside Night. Buy your tickets, donate, do whatever it is you want to do. If you go to the game, great. If you don't, whatever. But uh, like Paul said, it's for a good cause. We've gone every year. Well, we this didn't is, go this the first will be our year. third year. This will be our third year. Uh, but, we weren't yeah. doing the pod. Right. Po- positive, positive cause. <laughs> Maybe it's, I don't know. If the Suns keep playing this way, though, it might be actually kind of mean to have kids go <laughs> to a game. But hey. It's still, it's a game they might win. Podcast of optimism. Podcast of optimism. So, And if the Kings keep playing the way they're playing. Right, exactly. <laughs> so without further ado, let's delve into this podcast of optimism. Uh, since the last time we recorded. I liked your optimism in that statement. Yeah, you, since the last, I'm the optimistic one too, and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, man. Since the last time we recorded, the Suns have gone 0-6. Uh, a so, horrendous 0-6. Yeah, not, not pleasant at all. They're overall margin 
of, I guess, loss is the worst in the Not league victory. at 14.7 per game. I actually thought it might be a little bit more, but keep in mind it's skewed by the win in the first night. <laughs> so that'll do it. Um, so you sat here kind of before recording going, what the hell are we going to talk about? There isn't a whole lot of positivity to talk about. No, sir. Plenty of negativity. But you know what, Paul? <laughs> With us being the podcast of optimism, we're gonna I, turn the page. You know, yeah, let's turn the page. But but before we even turn the page, because I know where you're going there, we want to say, hey, what's gonna happen in the future that's gonna be good for this team? Let's talk about no, some stuff that actually things. is looking okay right now for this team. It's gonna help us turn the page, right? And and I'm when I say stuff, I mean pretty much DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre much. Ayton has been doing like we've said before. Everything, well, more than everything we expected, I think, of him as a rookie this year. When you look at him compared to other rookies, he's kind of dominating pretty much all statistics. Right now, he's he's third in minutes amongst rookies, and in the per 36 range in terms of per game, I guess per 36 regular stats, not advanced stats, he is third in points, first in rebounds, fourth in assists, first in field goal percentage, second in in both true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage. And to boot, he's shooting 85.7% from the line. Right, and I think he's got like a 24 PER. Yeah, his PER is, well, I was can delve into that a little mm-hmm. bit here. He's first in PER amongst rookies who have played at least 100 minutes. Um, mm. Robert Williams, who's played 12 minutes, is technically ahead of him, <laughs> but I'll go ahead and just eliminate that. He's first in win shares, he's second in offensive rating, and he's second in offensive, or excuse me, he's second in box plus minus per 100 possessions. So there's some positivity, right? Yes. Some optimism there. DeAndre Ayton's doing the thing that we expected him to do, and I think it's pretty clear to see, notwithstanding the fact that the Suns are losing, and they're not losing in very fun ways. fashion, <laughs> uh, that the team ways. is still exponentially better when Aiton's on the court, which is what you want out of the guy that you took number one overall in this year's draft. The one that really uh, kind of surprised me is the assists. Like, that wasn't really something coming in that was expected of him. But So it's a really, really nice surprise to see that he's up there in, like, three, four, five assists a game easy. Yeah, his per 36 right now is 3.8 assists per 36. Uh, and you're talking about your center. So I'm, I'm more than happy taking that. Uh, again, he's fourth amongst rookies in that particular category behind Trey Young, Shai Gilgis-Alexander, and Luka Doncic. Yeah. Three guys who you fully would expect to be ahead of Aiton. And Doncic, when we're talking about per 36, isn't really that far ahead of him, just seven-tenths of an assist per 36 ahead of him. So Aiton is definitely holding his own in pretty much all walks of the game now. There have been some issues with some defense, but I don't think his defense has been as deplorable as people seem to expect it to be coming into the NBA and making that transition from college. He has stuff that he needs to work on, absolutely, but as a whole, what DeAndre Ayton has done through the first seven games of the season is something, seven, eight, seven, seven games of the season is leaps and bounds, I think, uh, beyond what many fans were expecting to see out of him. Uh, and, and I think he's just going to continue to improve, obviously, as, as time I mean, passes. It doesn't help that the rest of the team's not playing great defense around him. Right. No, absolutely. And <laughs> Not putting him in a position to uh, you know, succeed on that end as well as he possibly could. Right. Sure. No, that definitely will 
negatively impact him. So, uh, Paul, what, you you have any positives to say about the team? Anything optimistic before um, delving into the well, turning the page part? Anything you could look at through the first seven games and go, hey, this is kind of good at least? Honestly, I'd actually like to talk about the other two rookies. Honestly, those are that's the other two bright spots, really. I mean, I Mikhail Bridges deserves more time. Mm-hmm. He's proven it, and we just need to figure out how the hell to get it there. Like, honestly, in the last couple games... And in some of these, like, closing out lineups, I'd probably rather see him out there than Josh Jackson. I mean, Jackson can play make, but Bridges, I mean, he's one of the few guys who has a decent three-point shooting percentage on the team. I'd really like to see him out there getting more minutes, getting more opportunities to kind of prove what he has. And also, Elliot Kobo had a nice little breakout there in the – Oklahoma City Oklahoma game. City game. Thank you. I, I couldn't remember who it was between the Warriors and the Spurs, mm-hmm. um, where he um, put up I think eighteen points, eighteen thirty one minutes. Yeah, eighteen points, and he had eight, seven assists. I, I'll go and look while you continue speaking. But so that was a nice little breakout. I mean, obviously he uh, dipped down a little bit in the blowout to the against the Spurs, but it seems that. In these in this early going in the season, uh, Igor had planned to kind of alternate between Melton and um, Akobo, who would be on the bench, or who would dress and who would actually play, just to kind of see who kind of showed something. And it seems that Akobo is really taking um, his opportunity and running with it, particularly with the injury to Cannon or Kanan a couple games ago. And we'll see. It'll be interesting to see because Kanan's supposed to be coming back for the Raptors game if Okobo gets to keep the start or if Kanan's going to get it back. Um, I'm really hoping and I'd really like to see some more of, honestly, the guys who are really producing at this point get some time together on the court of basically Okobo, Booker, once he's back from injury, Bridges, Warren, Aiton. Those are the guys that are producing for us. I mean, there's something to say about really spreading that out so our production is can be a little bit more even because clearly our bench sucks right now. So we got to let the guys who are actually produ- even remotely producing start producing off the, like, taking over some of their duties on that bench. Sure. Um, I'd like to see more Rashawn Holmes and just see if there's anything there because there's nothing with Chandler right now. I mean, I'm sorry – he was he was marginally productive the last couple seasons. He's got nothing left in that tank. Yeah. I, he kind of needs to become what Jared Dudley was for us. Right, and yeah, Chandler's averaging 12.7 minutes per game, and Holmes only averaging 4.3 minutes per game. It's like, why? 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 Yeah. Why? I don't we, really see there. It can't get worse. Let some of these other guys get some burn. You know, Trevor Ariza's playing 32.6 minutes a game. He doesn't need to be playing that much. What were the numbers that you had brought up about the the plus-minus when you were looking at Aiton versus Chandler and just how... Yes, and I don't know if I still have that <laughs> up, Paul. It, it was... But it was in like a third of the time right, so, Chandler's so, plus-minus was double Aiton's. Right, so to, to kind of summarize it off of memory Aiton has played something like 227 minutes this season something and like that his, for an exact his net plus minus is minus 32 right Chandler has played I believe it was like 87 minutes yeah and his net plus minus is minus 67 
Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, it, Chandler's minutes aren't working out in any way, shape, or form for the team right no. now. And that brings up, I mean, and speaking of another veteran, Jamal uh, Crawford, I won't, his plus minus was right there with Chandler's, but he has played like even even less minutes, less minutes exponentially less minutes, as I recall. I'll try to find that and, and pull that up. But back to you know what you were saying about Okobo, you know, that Oklahoma City game, he went for 18 points, um, seven assists, and five rebounds on five of nine shooting, three for six from deep, five for six from the line, only had three turnovers. In the San Antonio game, he came back to earth a little bit, but still didn't have a horrible game. He scored eight points, had five assists still, had four rebounds, uh, and just had two turnovers. So, you know, for purposes of him being a primary ball handler and a distributor, it seems like he's trending in the right direction. And I'm all for just giving the young guns some some burnout there. I mean, you're talking about Akobo, a kid who, sure, he's coming over for France, but he has professional experience. He's played in professional leagues. So it's not like you're bringing someone that's completely wet behind the ears over from another country and thrusting them into a situation that they're not somewhat familiar with. So for that reason, I really do think that Again, it would be useful to give Okobo more more minutes. Uh, you know. I mean, and he's shooting great too. I mean, forty five percent from the floor, thirty six percent from three, ninety percent from the line, mm-hmm. and his turnovers are only one point one point four to uh, three assists. So that's a nice, almost like over a two to one assist to turnover ratio. So that's a nice, it's some nice um, basic stats there. I haven't really looked at the advanced stuff, but I mean, probably the advanced stuff across the board for most sons kind of sucks just cause they're just getting blown out across the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, to your point, you, you kind of mentioned how our bench kind of sucks. Yeah. Not going to disagree with you obviously, but just to kind of put that into some perspective, when you look at what the team has been doing shooting percentage wise, it hasn't been good just as a whole. But if you look at it and you take out Warren, Booker, and Aiton, who are the three highest field goal percentage you know, guys that are actually getting legit minutes on the team. I want to put a pin in Warren. We can come back to him. Okay. I'm more than happy to ba- talk about TJ Warren. Absolutely. The, the, the team overall uh, is shooting, if you take out those three guys, the rest of the team is shooting 38.9% overall and 28.9% from three-point range. Um, those three guys, well, Aiton hasn't taken a three, so... Warren and Booker combined are shooting almost 43% from three-point range, and those three guys collectively are shooting almost 55% overall. So it really shows the disparity in uh, shooting ability, or at least shooting percentages as we're seeing right now, and just how 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 deplorable, really, <laughs> the rest of this team is in terms of, of putting the ball in the basket. And, you know, as Suns fans... We've been doing this for the past eight years and just hoping that things change and can't do much more right now than, than, than hope that these shooting percentages change and some of these shots start going in. Right. Well, I mean, I think, I think the difference between like even last season and this season with regards to that is last season we didn't really have known shooters on the team. This year we have guys who their career is they are known shooters. We, I mean, between... Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson, Jamal Crawford, um, they're just not making shots, and I don't know why. I mean, one of the other stats I saw, I can't remember who I saw posted it on Twitter. It might even been the Suns account for that matter. But 
Um, cause they're just trying to claw at scraps to show that like, something positive, <laughs> but, um, the Suns are, if not first, like in the top five of like passes that occur during a game, which is what Igor wants to see, which is what, how he wants his offense to occur. But the shots just aren't falling. If the shots fell at even an average rate, we would be in these games that they, they may even win some of these games. It really, it just they can't hit shots. It really, it comes down to that. I mean, yes, the turnovers are an issue, but I think the turn, I look at the turnovers as that's a situ, that's a situation of they're still learning each other because there's so many new players and there's so much complication to Igor's offense with all the motion and whatnot that people are going to make mistakes. It's going to cause turnovers. And he even talked about it that back at Utah when they implement, had a similar offense when he was running that um, assistant over there kind of running that offense, they they were very high in turnovers as well. And that's just what happens when you have that many passes. There's that many more opportunities for somebody to jump the lane and to steal that pass. So I'm not super mad about the turnovers, but they're not hitting shots. And I don't get it. I mean, Ariza shouldn't be this washed. I mean, did the fact, did that one game where they missed did the Rockets miss 22 million threes in the right, playoffs? In the playoffs yeah. Just like kill his like three his point mojo range was just completely gone. And did it kill Ryan Anderson's three point range? Who was just sitting on the bench. <laughs> that's, that's quite the, that's quite the butterfly effect right there. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else to say because those guys were known three point shooters, like high percentage three point shooters. And they're, they're not hitting them. And, I don't know what else to do like about a guy not hitting shots when he's known for hitting shots. It's one thing if he's a guy who can't shoot. I don't know what you can do. Probably nothing from where you sit. But you Except know what can happen on is, a, on is, a mic. is Ryan Anderson can stop playing. Like we can take away some of those minutes and distribute them to other guys that, you know, are going to be on this team in the future. But we'll see. We'll see what, what Igor does. I mean, his Coaching is obviously being tested quite early this season when we're seeing the Suns not in any games really whatsoever since, since you know, the Mavericks game. But we'll see if things turn around. But I think one thing is for sure, especially since Booker's been out, well, since Booker's been out, we can see how much this team needs Booker. Yeah. Uh, but overall, we can see how much this team needs a point guard. And Isaiah Kanan isn't going to be that guy. And if the... Suns drafted Eliakobo hoping that he is going to be that guy, then let him start trying to be that guy now. If he starts going through a stretch where, you know, he's had a couple of nice games right now, if it seems like it's turning the other way and it's going to potentially impact him long term, then okay, tail it back a little bit. But for the time being, roll with it. Let's do it. Give it a whirl. I I agree with that and I really I hope that moves like that are in the near future just at a certain point when you're getting blown out this bad repeatedly you got to just start throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks you know try unconventional lineups things you hadn't really thought about before um or just you know finding the few guys who are being productive 
put them on the court and run them like D'Antoni and run them for 42 minutes right. a game. <laughs> yeah, we don't need, we don't need to play 10 guys a game. Let's just play seven, seven maybe and a half. maybe eight if we're feeling like it. Yeah, hey, why not? They're young. They've got they 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 they, they don't have a whole bunch of miles on them yet. It's fine. No, no. Steve Nash could do it. These tw- you know 20-year-old kids can totally do it. Um well what about let me ask you this. And we're kind of talking about the point guard thing. We've seen Point Book this year. Yeah. Is it time to pull the plug in Point Book? And I get it. We, it's, it's kind of difficult to say yes just because of the point guard situation. But let's assume that you commit to, you know, you can commit to running Elia Kobo out there at point guard. Uh, is it time to say, let De- Devin Booker play the two, handle the ball from time to time as the two, maybe in crunch time, Devin Booker's your primary ball handler. That's fine. But throughout the course of a game, you don't necessarily need him playing point guard. I believe on basketball reference, they said this season, the estimated time that Booker has spent playing point guard is 27%. I think that's too high based on how things have been looking. Well, you also got to remember he's missed. We're only in a, we have a seven-game sample size, and he's missed three of those games. So if you're looking at the four games he played, he's basically played the equivalent of one game at point guard. So he's played a quarter at point guard. And I don't even know how much of that was that first game where he really did take over in that fourth mm-hmm. quarter and bring the Suns back. And just like, actually not even bring it back. They they led that game. Uh, wire to jump, wire. Wire to wire. And then just haven't led a game since. <laughs> wasted wasted all their leads in that one game. <laughs> Pretty much. But um, I think it's, it's, a, it's an interesting crunch time lineup particularly as we're still trying to figure out if we do have a legitimate nba point guard on the roster um i like i like him in that scenario um running point with having him as a ball handler slash shooter as well as having other shooters around him and ayton i think that's a good mix of players i don't think it's necessary all that much during the game maybe a little bit at halftime just to kind of close out half um, those are really my thoughts on Point Book. I do, the one thing I do want to say, though, is I think his high turnover numbers, I hope that we can attribute that to the fact that he wasn't part of um, training camp, mm-hmm. so he wasn't able to get out a lot of those bugs in training camp, so he's getting those. he was getting those out in, in actual games that matter. Um, so some of those may... You'd have to. I'd have to go back and look at the games to see when they're happening. That uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a good chunk of them aren't when he is the primary ball handler. It's just with the motion and whatnot, he throws an errant pass because he doesn't know where guys are actually going to be going to or things of that nature. So I would tamp that down. Granted, he is accounting for a third of the Suns' turnovers, right? Which is not good, Bob. Not good, Bob, at all. Yeah, but Booker's averaging five and a half turnovers a game. Suns are averaging 18 a game. Between him and Josh Jackson, that right there is 50% of the Suns' turnovers because Jackson's averaging 3.4 per game. But, uh, you know, and, and you know, to kind of underscore the turnover issues that Booker's been having, even in missing those three games that he's missed, he still, I believe, is like 17th in the league overall in total turnovers. And again, leading the league in turnovers per game yeah. by half a turnover over, I think, James Harden, who 
isn't a bad guy to be right next to, but in this particular category, it is. Well, and it doesn't help that the Rockets are playing like shite as well. Right. So it's not like James Harden is leading the best team in the league like he did last season and having a lot of turnovers. So then you can be like, okay, it's just it's part of the offense and how it works. It's like, no, the Rockets are playing like crap too, and James Harden has a lot of turnovers. There's a correlation there. <coughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Your, your best player having ball control issues certainly uh, would have a negative impact on the team as a whole, uh, and maybe that's exactly what we're seeing uh, in both of these instances. You know, my, my big issue, I think, with, with Booker right now, uh, and, and you bring up a good point, Paul. I don't have statistics breaking down exactly what is the turnover rate or how many turnovers he has per game when he's in that point guard position. But overall, the Suns are, you know, 20% of the Suns' possessions when Booker's in the game end in turnovers. Yeah. That, that's, 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 that's not good. Not good Bob, if and you will. Not great Bob. Not great Bob, sorry. I messed that one up. I messed it up earlier too, so. It happens. Uh, and, and, you know, Booker's usage rate is up a little bit this year. It's up about 3% from where it was last year, 2.5%. But his uh, turnover percentage is up almost 7%. So there's a, the, the, the correlation is off there, too. He's turning the ball over at a higher rate when you compare it to the increased usage that he has, perhaps, whether it be because he's playing point guard more or whatever the situation might be. Now, that being said, I'm not trying to just shit entirely on Devin Booker because I still have a huge, huge hopes for Devin Booker, <laughs> a very large man crush on Devin Booker, and he's shooting very well. His effective uh, field goal percentage is... Uh, excuse me, his total true shooting percentage is better than it's been in any of the past couple of seasons. Again, small sample size, probably won't keep up, but he's playing well overall. It's just this one particular area that he, I think, really needs to you know focus on. And it could come in time as they get used to that offense. Maybe he continues to play point guard. He starts to get his arms wrapped around the roll a little bit more. And those turnover numbers go down because the assist numbers are there. He's averaging almost seven assists in his games. So if he can cut those turnovers, then, hey, point book might work. Um, but, you know, let's let's I, move it along, you know, cautiously optimistic about that possi- being a possibility. I would rather see him and Okobo running more often together um, than they have this year. And I, I think they've played very, very little together this year. Yeah, I'd um, still so let's, prefer let's him ramp as that a two. Yeah. I think he works better as a two. I think the... F- the offense flows better as a two. I like him more in the Kobe Bryant-ish role where Kobe still had a pretty high number of assists, but just the way the offense was structured, it he wasn't running point. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'd like to see that maintain with the caveat that in certain situations, when the matchups are appropriate, he does slide to that point guard spot and they bring in an extra shooter or defender, depending on the matchup, to uh, try to win the game. And that's the idea, isn't it, folks? It's always all about putting W's up on that board. Winning games. So, Paul, you had said earlier you want to turn the page. No, actually, can we bring it back? Okay, to let's the pin. step back first. To the pin. That's right, the pin. The pin being TJ Warren. Yes. And just for the record, really quickly, never mind, because I have the wrong stat. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so we talked about it last time, ha- about the surprising 
three-point shooting that we saw from TJ after that first game that we attended at Talking Stick Resort Arena. And he's kept it up. I mean, it wasn't 75%, but unlike Josh Jackson, who's fallen off a cliff, he's shooting a very, very respectable percentage. I think he's at 45% now from three. Again, still small sample size. Might be 48. (coughs) But anyway. Anyway, in the 40s, which is great for a three-point shooter. All for it. And it's kind of funny. I mean, obviously, fans do this. Teams do this. When you have a player who, like, if you asked us six weeks ago, TJ Warren's the odd man out. Right. Because he was, we're like, okay, he's had three years. We kind of have an idea. This is his skill set. And, but we always caveat that with, if he could just develop a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. That, that opens up so much of the floor for him, for everybody else, to allow that game to just expand and grow. And he's, he, he's doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm fingers crossed that it stays consistent and it's not an Aaron Gordon situation from... I think it was last, was it last year or the year before where he went crazy in the first two months and then like fell off a cliff. Yeah, it was last year. Gordon was shooting the three really well By early like in the year. He got hurt and missed a few games. And then after that was completely different from three point range. But I mean, 48%, 45%, whatever it is. And he's shooting enough of them where it seems like this is a new TJ Warren we're seeing. Yeah, and he's not I, hesitant about it. I 100% have turned a 180 on TJ Warren since the beginning of the season because if he can shoot that three like that, that makes him much less expendable. It, it, it makes it, him almost unex- inexpendable. It, it really starts makes me really consider that Josh Jackson truly is the expendable one. Mm-hmm. Like I, we were talking or texting earlier today, and I threw it at you, just random trade idea because I was listening to. Um, one of my other podcasts and they were talking about Marco Fultz. I'm like, would you trade Jackson for Fultz straight up? Cause you know, he's kind of struggling over there in Philly and they're having issues with lineups with him and Simmons together and whatnot. And you know, sons still need a point guard. He is arguably a point guard. Yeah. He's supposed to be a point guard. And I, I wonder if his, part of whatever the yips are or whatever's going on with his shooting in Philadelphia, there's just a little bit bit of just it's in the air there that he, it's in his head right? because it happened with that team and they're like putting pressure on him that like it's got to come back and it's just, it's still getting in his head. So like get him to a new situation, fresh, no his, no baggage there. They can push the baggage to the side and maybe it'll, Clear minds, full hearts, can't lose. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and then Jackson, they said, you know, they have a need at the wing, so he could slide in there a little bit. I I get it doesn't really help with their shooting needs, Mm -mm. but just throwing it out there as an option, it helps relieve our glut of wings and addresses our point guard situation. And we'll caveat that with the. Recognize that Philly would probably wouldn't, probably do wouldn't it. want to do it, but I mean, if that was something that was an option, then I, I wouldn't see a reason to not pull that trigger just because I mean, I love Josh Jackson, everyone knows this, but 
the Suns need a point guard if you're not going to just start running Elia Kobo out there is quite dire. Uh, and, and something will need to be done about it. Otherwise, we're looking at maybe drafting Zion Williamson. With, with Which the, still doesn't address our point guard doesn't situation. Doesn't address our point guard situation. <laughs> and I don't think there's a lot of great point guards on the uh, um, free agent market next year. I mean, I think Kemba's up, but he may sign an extension for all we know. Right, and he's and he's restricted. No, he's unrestricted. He's unrestricted yeah, yeah. If, he, if he doesn't sign, yeah, that's right. So anyway, we'll see what happens with that. Yes. Okay. Now do you yeah. want to turn this page? Let's turn the page. Okay, I feel like we kind of just did like we a did little a bit. Lot of yeah, it. We, yeah, we, yeah. We've, we've sprinkled the seeds. Okay. So, page is turned, Paul. Page what is are turned. we doing about it now? <laughs> I, I think, I really, it's just, I think we want to talk about kind of, okay, hopefully it can't get much worse in this season. <laughs> you know, hit rock bottom early, and then we claw back. But at the same time, so it's kind of taking a look at, we've got a sample size, albeit, albeit small, of like, Who's producing? Who's not? What moves would you like to see Igor make to the lineups to hopefully reinvigorate and reignite the um, potential success of this season? You're and asking me. I'm asking you. For I a want them. I want them to start Elio. I want him to start Elio Kobo. You know, Devin Booker is supposed to be back for tomorrow, which will be tonight's game once this gets posted. Uh, Booker is supposed to be back. I would love to see Booker and Okobo starting in the backcourt. Uh, and, and I know you mentioned earlier that the Suns' new beat writer on AZ Central, what's his name? Dwayne Rankin. Mr. Rankin said that Warren's expected to start. Yeah, he started, he started against the Spurs. Right, right. So Warren's expected to start again. Okay, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, I would prefer Warren to come off the bench just because of what we talked about already, and that is the bench is having a difficult time scoring. If you're going to put Booker out there with Warren, at the same time, there's two of your best scorers on the team. And you put a Kobo out there who was previously on the bench. Right. And it just, it does take away some of that potency of that bench lineup. Honestly, what I'd really like to see is, I don't want to see a minute of the court where either Aiden or Booker is not on the court. Mm -hmm. Aiden, Booker, or Warren, or two of those three should always be on the court at any given moment. Like, this is like... A similar situation to how the Rockets should never have a moment where Chris Paul or James Harden is not on the court. Right. You know, like what what they had originally talked about when they went back in the day with Dragic and Bledsoe, when they were supposed to be that one-two punch of there would always be a starting caliber point guard on the floor. Mm-hmm. We need start always have a starting caliber scorer on the floor. So yeah, we can we can st- I say we could start the three of them, no problem. But then it's like, okay, whoever comes, let's say Warren's the first one to come off. Warren's the first one to rest. So we replace Warren with Jackson, blah, 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 play. Then when you pull out Booker, you know, that comes back in with, let's say, Bridges. But you're also pulling out a reason and comes back with Warren. Right. Like that's the move. And then so you're playing Bridges, Jackson, uh, Warren at the two through four. And then when – um Aiton rests, then you trade out and bring Booker back in. There should always one, two of those three should always be on the floor, and you can you should be able to manage that pretty well in forty eight minutes. Right, and I think you should be able to manage that pretty well in forty eight minutes. And at the very least, maybe there's a couple minutes where yeah. only one of them's on. But I think there's a yeah, there has to be a way to manage that type of rotation, and I think that makes a ton of sense because then you have at least one scoring threat or one mm-hmm. of your top three scoring threats on 
in those, you know, maybe right. you know, a couple of minutes where not two of them are on, but then the majority of the rest of the game, you have two of them on there. And I think that would help with Jackson too, because we've said this number of times before, and I'm sure we'll continue to say it until <coughs> he stops doing it, but Jackson's at his worst, worst when he wants to be the guy the that primary is going to be scoring. If you have him out there as a third option, mm-hmm. it seems like he allows the game to come to himself a lot easier then. I mean, it's it's like how he looked different between the first half of last season and the second half of last season. It's like how he looked during summer league. He looked terrible, but I think he was sitting there going, this is me. And I, the I other guy you. here is DeAndre Ayton, and he's a rook. So I'm the guy, and he performed terribly. Uh, you know, you look at that first game this year, scored what 18 points i think he made three of five or three, three of four, four three pointers yeah that's the that please please josh jackson whatever play just whatever do you, that all the time that. igor whatever happened in that game just do that we need to find that energy bottle it and parse it out through the rest of the right, season right right i i and I, you know i will say i feel like it's not just a coincidence that the one game we've been to paul they won and won handily and the rest of them it's been the complete opposite Pretty sure the Suns need us at these games. Pretty sure. Robert Sarver, you hearing this? I'll travel. Or other listeners, we may start a GoFundMe. My salary would be... My, <laughs> well, oh. no, we're, we're not We're not Mr. Orange. I'm sorry. I'm not starting a GoFundMe to get me season tickets. I just can't. I'm just going straight to Robert Sarver. I'm, that's 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 my path. Yeah. You want to win? You need, you need good juju. And we bring it. We bring that In juju. In spades. In spades. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um anything else that you want to talk about in terms of turning the page? Can we talk about um, maybe part of turning the page being Ryan Anderson's not starting and also not one of the first three guys or four guys on the bench? And T- Tyson Chandler's not playing? Yeah, let's go with Rashawn Holmes. Or let's, Jamal Crawford. Let's, let's, tail back, <laughs> let's tail back the 32 and a half minutes that Trevor Ariza is getting. Yeah. He's been the he's been to his credit he's been the best of those veterans, but that's but not saying sucks. much. Yeah, but he's still yeah. not playing very well at all. He came out blazing in that first game. In that yeah. first game, that lead that they maintained in the first half, I think, was, was a mostly lot because of, of Trevor Ariza. And then since then, it's just kind kind of like meh, meh, meh. Um, and one thing I really like about Bridges that we haven't mentioned, I don't think, on this podcast. You know, he came in. With the reputation, or at least the expectation, that he was going to be kind of a three and D guy, when that guy takes the ball to the basket, he does it aggressively. <laughs> like there is a reckless abandon there. He doesn't give a shit who's going to get in his way. He's going up to that hoop and he's doing it with one hundred percent tenacity, and I love that. I really do. Yeah, I, I've liked everything I've seen from Bridges. I think he's. I mean, as I said before, I think he needs more minutes. I think he he has shown enough and he has earned that time. With his shooting, with his defense, he's one of the few who actually plays defense. And just with his overall aggressiveness on the court, I think he really has earned time that um, Igor should give him. And I think it would benefit the team to, for him to be out there more. Sure. Let's play a little game here, Paul. Uh-oh. I'm going to start walking through the upcoming schedule. And you tell me when the Suns are going to win another game. Okay? Uh-oh. Okay. Oof. Ready? Okay. Ready? We're starting. Okay. Okay. I don't want. I don't want to talk for too long. Okay. So. Okay. How far are we going? How many games? Until you say they win. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or we're just going until we get their first win? Yep. Okay. Good. Toronto at home. Win. <laughs> no, that's probably not going to be a win. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say, never mind. <laughs> Memphis at home. That one's actually kind of I tough. feel like this should be like rapid fire. I want you to answer within a second. I know you want me to answer instinct. in a second, but I mean, yeah, yeah they yes lost or no. some. No lost. rationalization. There you go. Brooklyn. Win. At home. Win? Yeah. So it's the Brooklyn game? I think it might be the Brooklyn game. Okay. That, that's not so bad. That's only no. t- two, three games from now? Yeah. Hey. 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 What do we got after that? Like, so is it just going to be like a one game blip? Okay. And then they're going to lose go. another we'll, nine? We'll, let's keep going. We'll keep going. Boston at home. That's a loss. See, I'm going to say win because I'm going to be there. My juju. Huh? My juju will be there. My juju will be there. You hear that? You I hear, hear that, that. sounds? You hear that, Paula? You hear that, listeners? You hear that, Robert Server? Okay. But seriously, definitely a loss. Okay. <laughs> at New Orleans. Uh, loss. At OKC. Loss. San Antonio at home. Loss. OKC at home. Loss. At Philly. Loss. At Chicago. <laughs> Win. There we go. All right. So that brings us to almost Thanksgiving. Day before Thanksgiving, I think. No, maybe a week before. We, they need to get some more wins than that in there if they're going to not have 12 wins. Okay, let's keep going. This is too much fun for me. I like this. Okay. At Milwaukee. Loss. At Detroit. Loss. Indiana. Loss. At the Clippers. <laughs> Fuck. They're not supposed to be this bad. It's I, – I hope it's one of those things where they somehow figure something out and they start stringing a couple wins together. Right. Just like give me two back-to-backs that – like give me a surprise win in there. Give me something that this isn't – a if we don't have another season where the win-loss record decreases again. Because I mean maybe it's just they have like that – bad of a first half of the schedule yeah that's it let's go with that it's just a really <laughs> difficult part of the schedule well because i mean you might get to the rockets and i'm like win right that's, that's fair <laughs> you know i mean it's because i think it's a lot of like if you took if you looked at this schedule arguably before the season started and like with everybody's preconceived uh perceptions of what teams were good and what teams were bad it may have been evened out a little bit more, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. But now we're like, oh, no, these guys can actually kind of play. Right. And then other guys are like, oh, wait, these guys who we thought could play, no, they can't. And from that standpoint, like me, it's just weirdly front-loaded. Right. And I guess we'll see. We'll see about that. I, I do think here, I'll, I'll, I'll go back. Let's, let's, let's flip back around to some optimism here. I think the Suns are going to figure it out. I think they're going to get more comfortable in Kokoshkov's offensive system. I think Devin Booker is going to cut down on the turnovers. I think Elia Kobo is going to get a chance to prove himself and is going to prove to be, as a rookie, at least a reasonable NBA point guard. I hope so. A passable NBA point guard. Better than what the other point guards the Suns have had over the past few seasons have done. I will consider it a wild success if he... Gets picked to participate in the Rising Stars game at All Star Weekend. Oh, sure. Wild success. Yeah, I would too. Like, That's your goal, Akobo. You hear us? That's your goal. <laughs> we're just talking, like, we're talking to everybody out there. You, well, you know they play it in the locker room. They, obviously, they have to. 
They yeah. have to. That's why they've listened to the, the right before the Mavs game, and we haven't recorded since. Oh, we have. Shoot, that doesn't work. Okay, <laughs> let's skip that idea. All right, so we'll we'll stop playing this game. Although I will say, after that Clippers game, they do have the Magic, and yeah. then they have the Lakers, and they have the Kings. So they could start. Oh, I guess that's not really. I, I I think the Lakers game would have been a lot more competitive if Booker was there. Yeah, because he got hurt in the third quarter. Yeah. Um and well, All right, he was there. Didn't. <laughs> Shit. Well, well, if he was there in the fourth quarter, it'd been more competitive. Right, because that, yeah, like maybe, maybe not. Uh, How did that game not. go? It didn't go well. I'll tell no, you. No, I'm just, I just want, I'm just thinking like quarter by quarters. Oh yeah, the second quarter they got fucked. Yeah, honestly, it was the second quarter they got fucked. And I feel like that's happened a few times this season where where the rest of the game, they're all right, but then it's a quarter or maybe two where they get completely shellacked. Well, what we're really starting to see, though, is that last couple minutes of the first quarter when it's all bench guys, then it just – that's when they get in like a 10-point deficit and it just snowballs. Right, right, right. And it's like – what was the stat you were saying earlier about their plus minus before substitutions? Right. And after? Yeah. I mean, the I'm cliff's not gonna notes or the generalities. The, the generalities. Of it. So, like, for if you take the starting unit, whoever starts the game, they are sixty nine and seventy five. Sixty nine to seventy five versus the opponent. So I mean, they scored sixty nine points. The opponent scored seventy five points. The minute once the first sub comes in. In the next, like, once subs start coming in, they are scoring 213 to, like, 327. It's, like, ridiculous. Like, once that bench starts going, the starters can compete. They're close. And that can, once, like, some of those guys, particularly, like, Aiton, really starts to figure figure things out even more than he has from just his raw talent... That could not flip, but you know, get even closer and actually maybe go into the positive. But that bench unit, we're playing the wrong guys. Mm-hmm. We're just playing the wrong guys too many minutes. And I, like you said, I'd like to see Ariza's minutes pair back because he's clearly not producing the way he should be in that many minutes. Pair those back. Give those to Bridges. Pair back a lot of Chandler's minutes. Give those to Holmes. Or you know, well. I would say shit, even Bender, but no. <laughs> but but no. Okay, that sums it up. Go on. I and mean, we and unfortunately we don't really have any other power forwards, <laughs> or even set to that could even slide into the center position. So it really is Rashawn Holmes' time to lose. Right. But I feel like just his energy, his bounce is going to do a lot more than whatever Chandler's been producing out there right now. Sure. No, I'd, I would tend to agree with you there. And I mean, I'm just looking at some of the box scores and just to, to kind of underscore that idea of the Suns competing for part of the game and then just getting shellacked the rest of the game. You look at the Nuggets game earlier this year, first quarter, between the first quarter and the fourth quarter, the Suns were outscored by 29 points. And the two quarters in between, they outscored the Nuggets by one. Uh, Golden State game, take this with a grain of salt because obviously Golden State was up big already. But first half, they got outscored by... Hmm. I can't do math right now. <laughs> 23 points and then outscored Golden State in the second half by 3 points. In the 
Lakers game that was just bad in general. Uh, and and they did something similar in the again garbage time, but to cut the loss to OKC down to seven, they outscored the Thunder by I think thirteen points or something like that in the in the fourth quarter. Again, garbage time. They were down by a lot, but point being, they 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 need to stop putting themselves in such large holes. I mean, if you can keep it under ten by halftime, hey, small victory. So little baby steps moving forward like that, baby and that's steps. that's where we maybe start to get a little bit of traction. But like I said, I think they're still trying to figure things out. Kokoshkov's in his first year as a head coach. He's still trying to figure out what these guys can do, what lineups work best. And as Suns fans, I know I've said this before, but all we can do is sit back and hope that things 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 turn. Yeah. Hope. Any final thoughts, Mr. Bichelia? I think we, we talked about it before, but we have some tickets to games this season. If we have a good record of us in attendance, we need to work on that, that we're in attendance more often. 100%. I mean, frankly, if they manage to win that Celtics game, then I might actually send a letter to Robert Sarver and alert him to this because I think it's, it's, it's at that point, that's not a coincidence. Just call your guy and be like, hey, you know, you've – we got tickets to these games. Have you seen the record of these games? I think this is us. We need to work out a deal here. <laughs> it's all quite obvious, sir. All quite obvious. And so. it's like there's other people in the seats. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, at the very least, you'll have another butt in there. I'll buy some concessions. Look, you'll make some money off me. It'll be beautiful. All right. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode of Fanning the Flames. Like I said earlier, you can catch me on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay and Paul. At Dirge of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Whatever platform you listen on, subscribe, rate, review, and uh, we'll, 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 we always say this, we'll read a review, but we rarely do. So have we gotten we'll any new ones? I don't want to say that, Paul. Okay, you don't need to, you don't need to pull back the curtain that much, dude. Come on. Well, I, it was more a question of have you checked? Well, maybe you should have asked. No, I haven't. I'll just say no, I haven't. That's totally the right answer. Um, but and don't forget Brightside Night, January eighth. You said, yep. Go to brightsideofthesun.com. Check out Dave's post about that. Buy tickets, donate your tickets, do whatever it is you want to do. But let's send some kids to a Suns game because for better or worse, these kids don't get a chance to go to NBA basketball games and see this type of stuff. And and the experience as a whole, regardless of how the team's doing, is always enjoyable for them. I assume I've never exactly hung out with them, but I assume, right? It's got to be enjoyable. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, And as we always say here on Fanning the Flames, we appreciate you guys all listening. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Sayonara. Just want to hear you say.